On this episode of the Tough Juice Podcast, I had none other than Mr. Dame Dash, the icon, the entrepreneur, the true trailblazer, talking about numerous things, spreading stories, talking about love, plant seeds, wealth of insight and information, and what he's doing with Dame Dash Studios. He also had an interesting story talking about, yes, you heard me, Kanye West, the billionaire that's selling shoes, who's selling music, his production is off the chain, and so many other classic stories that you don't want to miss. Tune in to the Tough Jew podcast on the Himalaya app or wherever you get your pods. What's going on, OG? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? Man, I'm good, man. I appreciate you uh, sitting down and giving us some time. Bro. Hey, we got a lot of that now, right? Yeah, man. Say that again. Uh, I want to... I want to dive right into it. You know, what you've been uh, uh, up to this whole time, you know, with this this pandemic happening and going. Is it all right that I smoke? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. I'll smoke cigars. You're good. Good, good. Well, you know, my life hasn't really changed. I've been practicing social distancing for the last 10 to 12 years, and my model has been, you know, do a lot of work with a little bit of people just because everything has been self-funded. So, you know, I got a television network. And, you know, usually entertainment is like recession proof. And, you know, that's because people can go outside and they can escape and go to clubs and they can listen to music and go to concerts. But a pandemic is not um, something that is makes it where all these industries are protected that were protected before. The industries that are booming now are weed, liquor and content. And I'm in the content business. So, you know, my business has, hasn't really been affected. It's actually going up because people are looking at, you know, I have a television network and a streaming service, Dame Dash Studios and um, DT. So I, I've just been editing, you know, the same, putting out content the same. I've, you know, I have a studio, a 6,000 square foot studio. So I've been able to also do like comedy shows, you know, where, uh, there's only one person in the room and they just press the button because I got all the cameras and everything. So I'm built for this. Like I'm used to doing things on my own. And this is when being an independent makes you, you thrive in this environment because when you're waiting for someone to give you something or tell you what to do in this very moment, that's all you can do or try to figure out a different plan. My plan is move forward and, and to actually step it up, you know, and to make sure that my crew, no one in my crew has to take a pay cut that we stay productive every day. I've actually told my crew I need more. I want to get more content. We have to edit up more intensely, you know, because I'm not shooting. There's nothing really, me personally, it's nothing to distract me. I want all my stuff edited. Have you always thought like that, though, as far as like storing content and having it just in case? Like, obviously, could nobody predict a pandemic or a doomsday thing like this, but just having live content that's stored in the library. Uh, for moments like this where it's a drought and all of a sudden you come with this fresh product? Well, that, but my business model has been residual income, get money by the pool. So as an older guy, you know, I'm 49 uh, next month. And, you know, when I was 25 and 30, I knew that when I'm 50, I'm not going to want to be running around shaking my ass on the fucking screen. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be, I'm not going to want to be the old man in the club. And the thing that I knew that gave me residual income was movies. And that's the reason why I started to make movies. And then when I realized where the industry was going, where there was this self 
you know, there was this uh, direct to consumer relationship. Um, I knew that making content was the wave and I've been telling everybody make content so you could get residual income. So I've been stacking contacts, content sort of like, you know, like let's say about 20 years ago, if I was in the street and, you know, work was cheap, I'd buy a lot of it, put some of it up. So when there was a drought, I could bring it out and sell it for double the price. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. You always thought like that and been a visionary. And I, I say this with the utmost respect, like it's so many guys in the game that I get a chance to sit down and do this. And I hate that we're not in person, but this is, you know, just as cool as that. And you, you schooled me and taught me lessons from afar. You know what I mean? Like when I first got out, I did 18 months and I hit the street. That's when Rockefeller and everything was going strong. And I used to hold on to the words of the information that you was just dropping. I went to prep school. I, I was just watching your vision and I was just like, yo, like this brother is schooling me from a distance because he cut from the same cloth, man. So like that was big, bro, for you planting those seeds. You went to prep school? Yeah, I went to prep school, MCI, Maine, yep. Ah, Maine, I'm at the school. <laughs> hey, that's all white people out there. Hey, I'm at the camp, <laughs> I went to Camp Wildwood. Hey, Nicolette, go live or something. Um, so, you know, also, and I appreciate that. And also, you know, when I do have this time, because, you know, I stay home a lot, I keep my circle tight. All my events were always called under 100, but I do have a little more time. And there are things that do bother me. I'm, I'm, I'm human. And I do have issues with the way we as a culture are treated in television just based on my personal experience. So in dealing with WeTV and E1 and just television in general, you know, I really noticed that all of our stories have to be told by white production companies. And I don't understand that. And when I do get in front of the networks and I present the same exact stories, they don't want those stories unless they come from a white production company. And these white production companies, they hire someone black, right? And you think that it's a black production company, but when you go to the office, it's not. There's not black. There's one, your office, that one black person, and the rest of the office is usually the little one, and the rest are a bunch of white people with posters of black people on the wall. And I don't appreciate that. And when I actually did do business with We Channel, because I would approach them when I was doing, um, doing, uh, uh, growing up hip hop, I approached Lauren and and asked her, "Why is it that I'm watching every other person in here that's not of color build their brand? Meaning, E1 gets to have all these growing up hip hop television shows. Okay. The, the 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 person that was the originator of it, his name is Atari. He's black." I don't see him anymore. It's not building my brand. And you keep intensely trying to separate my family. I, and it's not for any money. It's not, I don't understand it. I'm not getting enough money for this, my kid. So they were like, all right, you know, we know you could do production for a good price point. They gave me a minimal budget as a production company. And they didn't think I could deliver. I delivered. I over delivered. Then they gave me deliverables that they didn't think I could deliver. And I just delivered 60 pages worth of deliverables the Lions gave for one of my movies. So it was nothing to me. And I own everything. Delivered that. I get a lawsuit with E1. They greenlit it. Like, okay, we're going we're gonna to play it, see how it does. This, that, and the third. Just get the deliverables. When I give them the deliverables, now they don't want to do it. Why? Because it's a black story told by a black man. And what I don't like is the television networks know exactly what the production companies do. They know they overcharge for editing bays. They know they skim. They know, because the way they do it is, you know, you have an idea 
bring it to a production company. They take it. They bring it to a network. The network buys that idea. Then they pay the production company and give them a budget to deliver a product. So they might say, here's $400,000 uh, 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 a show. Whatever you bring back, as long as you bring back the show, I don't care how much of that 400000 you keep. So they just continue to pretend that they're renting stuff that they own and they make us work for nothing because they say, oh, you could go walk through a strip club and get paid. And they continue to make money off the dysfunction of our culture. And they laugh at us and they walk into rooms and they make us treat them like these nerds are the bosses. So, you know, showrunners that trick us like Jennifer Gardner and, you know, the, 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 the Mark Hart, uh, Hart, what's his name? Mark Hedwig, Mark Hedwig, sitting behind the desk getting a promotion every time he makes one of us fight. And the main ringleader of them all, Tara Reed. No, no, no. Tara, Tara Long from E1. You know, and every black, like every production company I know, a black production company, they all say, I don't know why this woman comes along and gets to tell our stories before us. They don't get it. They all have bad experiences. And no one says anything because no one wants to burn a bridge. You know, we, they, we, we fight each other before we fight them. And I'm the guy that fights them. I'm the guy that be like, oh, he's always mad. He's always grumpy. Why? Because I'm fighting them for us. And it's always going to be a fight. I'm not mad all the time. But if someone's going to disrespect me, my family, and my culture, I can't just turn the blind eye. So in this moment that I'm a television network, because instead of complaining about it, I have my own network. I'll make my own programming. I'm going to give new programming every week, new programming. Yeah. So today I'm going to give you um, 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 Forbidden Knowledge with Billy Carson, you know, the information from the, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Emerald Tablets, you know, the information about the Anunnaki's that they don't tell us that exists. I'm going to give you that fully produced. I'm going to give you comedy shows that were made last week. I got live shows with T Grizzly. I got scripted shows. Um, um, crazy. Um, 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 Dress to Kill. And then the TV show that I made that we channel didn't isn't showing. I'm going to show it on my network. Fuck oh, you're a platform. I'm showing it. I have a network and a platform. I'm showing it on both. Oh. So I have a streaming service and a 24-hour network. There's DTV and Dame Dash Studios. That's yeah, yes, sir. And that's crazy because when I look at how you trailblaze in the music industry, and you was talking like this, and everybody was. Like, Man, Dame, you know, this and that. And now you was the true entrepreneur and the trailblazer in the beginning because you was talking to, you know, before everybody else was talking. And now you're speaking on it from an entertainment standpoint, you know, building content and all that and shopping it in production. And now people are saying the same thing again. Like, how does that make you feel? Like, this shit is like deja vu. I mean, I knew it was going to happen. So, you know, it's like it took long enough. It's crazy that it took a, a pandemic. A pandemic, whatever you call it, <laughs> to, to make people really understand their power and what they creatively on their own. So what's happening now are the generals, the people that like to have answers, not always have questions. The people that go ahead and do and fight for love and for their family. They're figuring out ways to be creative and get things done from their crib. And what people are going to know is they could have been to that. They did not need the people and these middlemen and these gatekeepers that pretend we need them to validate us when we could do shit on our own. And because of the Internet, there's freedom, you know, and, you know, cable TV, it exists, but it's a dinosaur. You know, the direct to consumer relationship is all that counts. The Netflix of the world. See, I prepared for this moment, even if this moment never happened, 
you always have to be prepared to fight in the war. I'm always prepared to do things on my own. You know, I burn certain bridges so I never go back. If you're disrespecting me, if you're disrespecting my culture, there's no bag that's going to make it okay for me to just sell out my people. Like I'm in the 1%, but I care about the 99. I fight for the 99. What put me in the 1% was the 99. So I'm never okay with the 1% laughing at 99. And I don't understand people that come from the 99 that get to the one, forget about the 99. How do you do that? How do you sell out your whole culture for your own, for yourself? Because of self-preservation. You know, I love to love people and my test in life is to continue to love it despite all the backstabbing and all the people that violate. It's never going to stop me from giving. It's never going to stop me from fighting for us. And it's never going to stop me from stopping fights between us and focusing us on fighting them because they always make us fight each other to distract us from what the fuck they doing. And every time we kill one another and beat one another or do anything, it's big news and they make money. And we That's go deep. backwards while they laugh. They don't go forward because it's evil, but they laugh at us. We have to have some pride. We have to stop um, turning the blind eye. You know, there has to be some accountability. It, it can't just be about yourself. You got to have like life should be about a purpose, something to fight for. You should fight for your children. You should fight for your girl. You should fight for your culture. You know, you should fight so the ones you love don't have to. That's the purpose of being on this planet and having nuts and having muscles and having testosterone and the power to think and fight legally. You, uh, you always teach through your interviews and on your live chats and everything. And it's not to promote something or sell something. So to my point, what I'm saying is not just this issue where you talk about black production and not being, you know, having a seat at the table or really having some true empowerment. You also give an educational lessons from a health standpoint. You always say, look, bro, I'm diabetic. And these are the underlying health issues that affect our communities. And then you give in a pretty much a visual tutorial and you have un unprecedented content on your site as well on your platform where you just schooling and educate why are you doing this and why is it important for you to elevate and plant these seeds in our culture it's all i know how to do it's the only thing that makes me feel good and you know think about this as i'm bringing awareness to production companies i'm a television i'm not a production company i'm a television network that feels sorry for all the black storytellers and people with experience that have to go through gatekeepers and then when it's finally told it's told in a way that makes us look like you know ridiculous that undermines the whole point of telling the story in the first place this is done intentionally i can't help it you know and and i believe that you know when you, when i was 20 years ago what i was promoting was a little bit unevolved but evolved at the same you know i might have been promoting um, you know, it's all right to hurt the culture by selling certain things to get money. It, it might be all right to take another man's life and shit like that. And karmically, it's no good. So as I became conscious, as I evolved, as I know where as a young man with a lot of and a platform to say things, I wish I said different ones. Now that I have it, I'm going to teach while I learn. And what people need to understand is real wealth is love. 
and real wealth is your health. And spending a lot of money on clothes and jewelry, but buying cheap food makes no sense. You know, putting things on your body that just for perception to kill an animal, just for perception, not to be warm, you know, to, to for comfort, to kill something and eat it for comfort, not because you don't have to. To me, karmically, that can't be right, you know? And, 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 and we have to understand that just because we're born into certain pat patterns, there's savage patterns for the unevolved. And it's never necessary to hurt. It's always necessary to love. You only hurt to defend for survival. But we're past that. We're, we're at a point where it's like we're doing things that hurt the, the planet, that hurt each other, that hurt animals, just for comfort, for distraction, because we don't even like our life. And that makes no sense, you know? So the thing that I'm embracing about what's happening, and I feel all compassion for anyone that's being affected by this, and big props to the brave people that are fighting for us, but the world, the world, the natural world is taking a rest. You know, the pollution is less. The, the fish are coming back out, you know? And it was almost like the planet was fighting back. And, and at some point, you got to say, yo, planet hasn't kicked our ass in a hundred years. In my lifetime, I haven't seen something like this. So if this shit happens once every hundred years, it might not be the worst thing in the world. And we should learn from it. There's always light in the dark. We have to always find the positive and the negative. The negative is only there for us to learn from it. And if we don't learn from it, all pain is in vain. There's no reason for it. So the only reason why we survive strong, good, and so other people can learn from it. And that's why I feel like you always, as a man on this life, in this vibration, be prepared to fight, but know what the fight is. It's not a stupid, goofy fight where you hurt your own color. That's a dumb fight. It doesn't, you know, I'm not going after some actor or director. I'm going at a whole television network. Let's see, and by myself, you know, let's see somebody do that. Damn, that's deep, bro. It, like, who, who were some of your mentors that put you on the game like this? From a from an educational standpoint, bro, you like you. There's so many layers to you from a, a mental standpoint, spiritually, everything. And I know that your experience, you know, dictate that as well. But who were some of your mentors that schooled you on this game to think like this? You know, it's it, it, it's it's crazy. It's just the circle of people that I've always surrounded myself with have always been the ones that want to evolve. So in the street, you know, guys like my OG Daniel and Jazz, you know, from the old, you know, the council days, into the way as, you know, that. But then going to like, you know, private schools and boarding schools as a young child and seeing the culture that everyone's afraid of, I was just like, yo, I'm better athletic, better, I can fight better, I'm funnier. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't get it, you know, and, and, and I just didn't get it. So, you know, and, and then surviving, going back from privacy and going back and surviving, you know, the street in a way where I didn't have to karmically suffer because I didn't have to kill nobody or no shit like to where I was saving people's lives. You know, the people that were the, the, at the, at the, the, like the opinion leaders, the people that were really doing it, they were kind of intelligent, you know, the ones that were trying to get out the game. And then in the music business, 
you know, there would be people's lifestyles that I would observe, but I might say they don't fight hard enough, but I would be cool like them. So I liked how Stax Records moved. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. there was like Motown and big shout out to Barry Gordy and I love everything he did. But I always thought like Stax Records was more Rockefeller. Like I like the fact that, you know, they just was gangster about it and they were, you know, they were doing movies, you know, um, um, uh, not the Mac, but, um, uh, the other one, uh, I forgot, but you know, and, and Isaac Hayes, you know, Truck all of Tucker. that, <laughs> and then like the collaboration of all cultures making music in the most racist place, you know, I, I, I liked all of that type of thing. I've always been influenced by different kinds of music. Um, like, um, you know, I like rock and roll, but I love it. And everywhere I go and everyone I talk to, I always want to hear something new and I'm always interested in the history of Taj Mahal. The, the the blues legend is my OG OG and, and he can tell you the history of every single kind of music from 1950 to now. I mean, it's I mean, I sat on Hawaii in a beach next to that man just to listen to him just school me. Like I like to listen to people experience things and that have meant something. You know, I, Farrakhan taught me how to farm. You know what I mean? Like you 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 would think he sent for me, and he. Loved my fight and all that, but what he was more intrigued about was, yo, what I've been trying to teach everyone is get some land and, and grow your own food. He taught me about GMO seeds and that we need to be making our own food. And that's the best way to, you got to make a, grow your own food. So there's bits and pieces, you, you know, from a dip, just because I loved how he fought and, and, and how he stood by his principles, especially when it was a, in, in a time where it wasn't so convenient. To have these sort of principles and be so militant. You know, Martin Luther King, just for the strategic way he exposed, um, um, you know, the violence and how crazy it was by saying and convincing black people not to hit so we can embarrass them. Don't give them a reason to fucking hit us and they're still going to disrespect us. Let the world see. That was brilliant to me for how brave he was to be in church and, you know, right in the middle of that, calling the governor like, yo. You said you was going to hold me down. It's a bunch of white sheets out there. What's good? Like, you know, really walking with the racist, you know, like coming to them. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of easy to be beef from the east when the shit's popping off in, in the south. But he was actually there. So, and, and there might be everyone, no one's, that doesn't exist. So I just try to take the best pieces of everybody and apply it to what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's how I learned a lot of books that we read, that I've read, you know, all of that shit, from the Godfather to the seed of the soul, you know, all of those things. So all day, I feel like right now, this vibe learn. Everything is a challenge. You know, it's not like any one person on the planet has a perfect seen it. I've never seen a person exist without crying, without going through something, a loss, being embarrassed or being stressed. That's, I guess that's a human pattern that we're here for. But what I do know is I see most of the world controlled by fear. They, they don't make their dreams come true because someone else tells them not to. That's not their own dreams come true. We're scared. We're born into thinking we have to sit in a school when we're young while the sun is out and get used to sitting behind a desk in a chair while people are running around getting suntan. And that's supposed to be normal. You know, my children are programmed to think that unless they pay to go to college, 
that they've done something wrong and that's all they know at this, this age and they're being told that by people that I'm paying $43,000 a year to tell them that. <laughs> it's the illest hustle in the whole world, but when you get there, they don't teach you about farming. They don't teach you about therapy. They don't teach you about sustainability, being independent, paying tax. They teach you about everything but what you really need to function in the real world. Because there is no work, real world that just functions like a dorm and functions like a school. It, it does, it, that's not the real world. And how does somebody that's not in business teach you about business? I don't understand that. How could you teach someone how to be a billionaire and you're not? I don't get it. You know? So yeah. it always it never made sense to me that I'm 15 and I got to. I've already figured out certain things. You know, my education that, that, that I need might not be the same education that you need. You might need to be taught how to follow direction. I need to go to school for being a leader. That's what I want to teach. Leaders, bosses, generals. As the system is set up, we're taught to be soldiers, not generals. And you, you produced a lot of those when you talk about bosses, generals, and you always put your brothers on. You know, I was looking at one of the docs uh, backstage where you was just talking about, you know, I'm building kingdoms pretty much. And that's pretty much what happened. When you look at a lot of the, the, the old uh, groups that was together and what they're doing now, you pretty much inspired a whole path of a lot of brothers from different walks of life. You look at Jay, he's a billionaire. You look at Kanye, he's a multimillionaire, close to a Billy. One of the hottest cats in the game, your I, little I, brother. I, I, and, I, you put a lot of people on. Let me just say something. In real business, in real time, I give Kanye that Billy first. He's selling the billion dollars worth of sneakers currently. I don't mm. know nobody doing, you know, worth and, you know, cat, Kanye selling that. But he gets on my nerves sometimes. Like, like man, but... <laughs> But I will have to give him that Billy status before anybody. But yes, I'm happy that in my deck, in my feathers, in my cap, my conversation is yet billions. That's what I do. The collateral damage of being around me is you're called the billionaire. And it never doesn't happen if you listen, you know. But just sometimes when you show people the plug, they want to run. That also happens. It's human nature. That's deep. And what's the, and what's the vision now? Yeah, that you have, you know, now going forward in the game, like you've done screenwriting, you've done directing, producing, acting, you pretty much done everything across the board and done it. I mean, might well, you know, what's next for you with what you're doing with your platform and your network? Well, like I was saying before, you know, I'm impressed with Kanye currently because he's currently selling things at volume. I'm not. I'm doing cool things, but I want to be able to take what I'm doing in the pool and I want it to hit pop culture without having to get a push from anybody. You know, I want to partner up the same way I did Rockefeller, the same way I did Rockwear, Rachel Roy, the same way I put on Lee Daniels and Kevin. I want to put me on, but not as an actor, not as a director. I want to put me on as the um, chairman of, 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 of Disney. I'm making indie Disney for us. Where we tell our stories, we make our franchise and the economy. Everybody knows when I'm in culture, everyone eats. I don't hide the plug. So again, it took me a minute to do this because I did it on my own in what most people would call a war. But it was, I prefer it this way. I was able to 
understand how to make content, contribute content, and do it on my own without having to raise a dollar. And I could do it in the middle of a pandemic. A pandem- how you say it? Pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> you, know you, got mean? it. you got it. You got it, OG. Thank you. Sometimes, you know, I, I like, sometimes I'm mad at it. I'm not meant to say right. Pronunciation, like sometimes when people pronounce shit right, it sounds funny to me. So sometimes I even pronounce certain things wrong just because I, I like it. I sound better than I, I, I'm. No one's going to tell me how to say things, but I do want to say it correctly because this is important, you know. But again, I'm not just going to complain. The way I'm going to fight is by giving you what they're not content opportunity and our stories the good parts of our, you know shit that's gonna make us smarter not stupid stuff that's gonna focus us not distract us see my shit is deprogramming not programming because we're all programmed to do a whole lot and accept a whole lot of bull- and the main thing is we need them to make us and validate us and those days must it must be over it has to change while I'm here. Well, 100%. What's been your, your greatest achievement, you know, uh, just as an entrepreneur, as a businessman, as a content builder, all the things you've been doing, what's been your greatest achievement, bro? It's hard to gauge that because every time I do something new, it feels like the greatest. I just like doing new shit, you know? Like, I'm a guy that gets bored real fast because, you know, my, I have no ceiling for my dream, Scott. So I'm always dreaming about doing more. I don't feel like I've gotten where I want to go yet because, again, I, I want to do it on my own. I don't like this perception game. You know, I know that game. I, I've been there where you pretend you're doing a lot more than you are. It's all smoke and mirrors. I really want to be able to to my children, but I don't want to sell my friends out to do it. And that's what I refuse to do. I'm not selling my friends out. I won't do it. I can't sell my friends out, bro. I just can't do it. There's no bag. That will ever make me, you know, you could call selling your friends out and genius. I call it sucker shit and I call it weak and cowardly. And there's no stats. I don't care how much money you got. If you had to rob your friends to get there, then you don't have shit to me. You're broke, period. Damn, that's 1,000 right there. And when you ultimately look at your legacy and you pretty much summed it, in that statement right there, but when you ultimately look at your legacy, what do you want to be remembered or known for most? I don't know. You know, I just want I just I just want the truth to be told and be remembered for the me to be the man that I actually am. You know, but when a man does a lot of great things, a lot of weak people try to take credit for him by painting bad pictures. And that's traditionally what happens in this whole existence. So I've seen people try to repaint history, but because I've documented it, I'm going to make sure the narrative gets told correctly. So if they don't get it now, they will get it later, you know? But if they don't, I did my job karmically. I feel good. My conscience, at the end of the day, my motivation is love. And I just want to love the people that deserve it. I want to make sure I have the right family and that I treat my family right. And that they treat me right, and that we just have our own little love boat, you know what I mean? And people could learn from that. And I think people need to create their own little love bubbles because when there's a pandemic, you got to be able to function, and you know you got to be able to have accountability. You got to know fucking with, so you know who's sick and who's not. 
I appreciate that, fam. Last question for me is just, you know, I'm looking at the visuals in the backdrop of, you know, Fred Hemp. Who are some of the other individuals up there in the backdrop uh, on, on the pain zone? Well, look at it. I got, I got all the back, all, you know, there's all of them back there. Huey P. And then, and then I got Biggie over here. Rapping. Yeah, but now look. Now, can you five Biggies? It's five. All right, I see the head on the crown. I see, mm -hmm. I see him with the mic. I, I think I see him in the back, like, uh, with the white tee. That's three. It's five of us. Let me see. You see people post that? This is the, you know. Oh, I see the white, the white face, too. Like, it's kind of like a shade in, right? Yeah, there's one here, there's one here, there's one, there's one. Oh, that's crazy. I had to, I was showing that one of my galleries. But I, you know, how did how did you get into that space, like with the art and all that? You know, with the galleries, like what drawn you to that? I like art. You know, love it. You know, I got I, I got walls. You know, like after the music business, I don't know if, you know, like all that time people were really bombing on, you know, I always had like a building, like a DD-172 where I have, you know, a gallery and a place to uh, have the network because I had uh, creative control with Kuti and Shike. And then I had under 100 in the basement where we would make clothes and do all these different things and just capture content. That was in 2009. You know what I'm saying? So I just opened up galleries wherever I go in gallery. Like even like when I was selling motor oil, I would turn to a warehouse and the factory into a gallery and throw raves with my son. You know what I mean? It's just the world is here for me to have fun without hurting people. So I look at everything like a canvas. And I have fun with this shit. How, you know, I don't want to do anything normal because normal's whack. Like, why do it like anyone else? So my art and my creativity is to be tasteful but do it different and make sure I'm not hurting anybody. But everything I do, I got to do it with a certain swag. You know what I mean? Everything. So, like, swag and taste transcends everything. You can't be good at dressing and not have good music, you know? And you can't be good at dressing and have good music taste but be eating bad food. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? So, you should have good taste in food, good taste in art, good taste in music. You know, if, you, if you're in music, like, I, I make sure I do an instrument, things like that. I can jam out a band. I've got a rock album that I just did with the Black Guns. i got, like, three albums. And uh, right. we, we was doing shows. We caught the last show at the Peppermint Club before the pandemic. We got it a week before. So, and the reason why I do that is just to lead by example. I tell my artists or people that are going to have a show, if you don't rehearse, you know, then you really ain't in the music. You know, that's the only place you're going to sell. Music. So, you know, I, people weren't doing this. I just did it myself. You know what I mean? But that's fun. I'm Billy Pablo the third thing. But I be having a ball. You know, and I got the best guitar player, drummer, and bass player on the planet. Go put them up against anyway. For real. Living. Tash and the guitar is the best. He's the best. Hands you know, down. They can't nobody fuck with him. Like Damn. I put, and all, only one any only ones that could have are too old now. Like now they're good, but they can't fuck because he's too young. Like Hendrix might I would have I never saw Hendrix live, but he's the only one that I say could even get close to. He nice, B. Tash is dead nice. You got to see him live. I did. Yeah. I went around the world with Tash. You know, we went to we went to the top of the Great Wall of China and smoked 
just to be rock stars and shit. We we would we would book 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 out a studio. I get them with a DJ and like a DJ Wordy, the best DJ in Beijing, and just jam out, you know, in Beijing for like four hours smoking weed and shit, you know. I steamed. I have boxed the whole China. Damn, that's crazy. That's crazy, bro. Hey, man, I want to thank you for coming on the pod, man, and hopping on like this on the strength. I, I, I reached out to you and immediately you was just like, bro, all right, cool. Just give me a time. It's whatever. And, you know, a long time idol of mine, man, and it's everything that I thought it would be, man, the wealth of insight and information that you dropped. Man, I appreciate you. I can't wait to meet you in person. We have seen each other in passing before, but never was I able to just step to you and have that conversation. So, bro, I appreciate you. I want to give you the flowers while you're here and while I'm looking at you eye to eye. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Appreciate you, too. Keep working. I see what you're doing out there. And that's why I was like, nah, he, he, he pushing. So, you know, it shouldn't be difficult. It's easy right now. And I, I want to get a copy of it so I can post it up on my show. 1,000%. Appreciate you, OG. I got you. When you going to put it out? This upcoming week, Tuesday. Tuesday, let me know. All right, right. thank you.